0: I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by one of the best jockeys in the weighing room, literally. uh, The number one jockey for Paul Nichols and a man who has won over $8.1 in prize money in just the last five years. Harry Cobden, welcome to Talk Sport 2. How are you? All right? I'm in good form, my friend. Uh, I'm hoping that you're in good form as well. Clearly you are because the boss continues to bang in the winners and so do you. It's been a terrific start to the jump season. How do you feel it's been going?
1: Yeah, obviously. Um, since sort of October, we've had a we've had a fantastic time of things. Um, had plenty of winners, and, and we've won some nice pots along the way. You know, um, Green Team was very good early on in the season um, at uh, Exeter, and Green uh, Shield's another good one. So yeah, we've got plenty of um, good young talent coming through as well.
0: Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about Green Team because we're going to see him very soon in the Tinkle Creek on the third of December. Uh, a race that he won last year, and we covered the Halden Goal Cup on TalkSport 2. We, we, we would have been in the social at that point, and Shaban was on the air. Um, but I was blown away by him, and I, I expected him to win because he had the form to do it. Um, you'd been talking very positively about him, but the stuff that Paul had been saying about him was, like Paul can be bullish, but he was unusually bullish about Green uh, and the market didn't reflect it, but it certainly did in the performance that we saw on the track. And looking at how the Tinkle Creek is now shaping up, you are definitely the ones that everyone has to beat. He just seems to have really come into his own in the last season or two. He was brilliant in the Tinkle Creek last year. He ended the campaign terrifically well. And it looks as though that race is, is depending on who turns up, it's, it's going to be his for the taking. You must be really excited about that.
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, um, he couldn't have been any more impressive at Exeter uh, last time out. And I just love the way he sort of jumped and travelled. And um, he gets that two miles really, really well. He stays strong at the finish. So um, he's obviously proven around um, Sandown. He obviously won the Tingle Creek there last year. Um, So, yeah, we're all very much looking forward to him. It'll be interesting to see what gets declared. But um, I wouldn't be getting off him for any of the others at the moment.
0: No, I can't imagine you would. And as you said, like he has a real affinity for sandown. He's won the celebration chase that race at the end of the season twice now, uh, and of course the Tingle Creek last year. What is it about him that makes him so special? Because Paul has trained some terrific two milers over the years, but th- this fella just seems to to really has been in the last season or so has been really coming to his own. And on the basis of what he did at Exeter, is set for a big season. What is it about him that that has changed and seen him move up a gear?
1: I suppose I know he's probably still a relatively young horse, isn't he? But um I think his sort of main attributes are the fact that he he's got such a high cruising speed and he jumps incredibly slick and fast. Um so I suppose they're his main two things. But he um he's definitely improved, he's grown up, he's not as hot or as keen as he was and um he's, uh I suppose the main thing is he's improving.
0: Yeah, he's he's a terrific racehorse and the way he travelled through his his race at Exeter so powerfully, and the commanding jumps. It was a breathtaking sight and something to be really excited about. There's something about these fast two-milers. There's a reason that the likes of Moscow Flyer and and Sprinter Sacra last with so many people for so long. There's, there's something very special about seeing those horses, and the Tinkle Creek is an amazing race to watch as well. So it's going to be a fascinating one to see and, and see that pan out. Uh, over the weekend, we saw you on board Hitman, who I thought was a, a very impressive winner at Haydock in the graduation chase, and straight after that, Paul Nicholls said, it's the King George next. So, on the day, if you were to decide now, and don't worry, I'll probably ask you that in a few minutes, but uh, right now, uh, on the market, you've got the favourite and the second favourite for the King George. Let's talk about Hitman first of all. That was a smooth success at Haydock.
1: Yeah, uh, very good. I mean, it was a race that he was definitely entitled to win, because obviously rated a fair bit higher than a couple of the others, but I just love the way he went through the race. He jumped well, he travelled great and um he didn't come off the bridle which was nice to see. And I think um you know, he's still relatively young. He's only six years old. He's definitely improving and he's um he's a horse that hopefully is gonna win plenty of more plenty of big races along the way. Um but he um he's going into the King George as the dark horse in my opinion. I know he hasn't He hasn't quite achieved what some of the the others have, but he's certainly got the potential to do that um, in time.
0: Yeah, he's very unexposed and there's a multitude of potential there, obviously, and considering that last season he was running over two miles when second to Green Team in the Tinkle Creek, the capacity for him to be able to do so much more over three miles just opens very exciting new doors for him.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he's got, I suppose he's got loads of class, hasn't he? He's got enough He's got enough pace to travel in that sort of race and he's got enough class and he's good enough to stay three miles. I mean, he stayed two, two mile five really well last time out around uh, Haydock and the ground was soft. So, um, he'd, uh, you know, he's uh, I suppose he's got it all, is not
0: he? I suspect Jed Mason, Sir Alex Ferguson and Mr. John will be trying to get you on board for the King George. But there is the small matter of John Dance's Brave Man's Game, though. Um, who was devastatingly impressive on Boxing Day last year in the Cardo Star novices chase and turned out this Aintree doesn't seem to be his thing for some reason at the end of the season but he's begun this season terrifically well with the Charlie Hall victory uh, at Weatherby and very much deserves his place at the very top of the market for the King George how has his work been going and how are you feeling about the big day with him?
1: No to be honest I wouldn't wouldn't sit on him very often at home I'd only school him but um, he was he was pretty good at um, he wasn't he? And, and um, he is, uh, the King George has been very much his target sort of throughout the whole season. So he's in, um, he, as far as I know, he's in terrific form and uh, he'd be going there with a live chance. He's obviously um, a course and distance winner. Um, I don't think the ground will be a problem. I think he's pretty versatile. He goes on any ground. So um, I think you know, he's going there with a massive chance, wouldn't he?
0: he has to have a massive chance and it, it's going to be pretty difficult to prize you away from him to get on board hitman for all that hitman is a very exciting horse but Man's game just seems to have everything in his favor for that particular race
1: yeah but i at the same time i w- i certainly wouldn't underestimate hitman i mean what we're going to probably do is um sit on the pair of them all week week the week running up to the race and uh make the decision then but then between now and then there's going to be a lot of water under the bridge isn't there so um so we'll uh just wait and
0: see well what we've learned in this great game harry is to never get too excited because the horses have to actually get there so <laughs> get there cross that bridge when they come to it uh, and and then hopefully you have the choice um it, it does sound as though though it is going to be a choice it's not just as simple as brave man's game has the has the minerals, so go with him. No, Hitman has very much put himself in contention.
1: Absolutely now after Saturday anyway.
0: Yeah, that was a, a hugely impressive performance. Um there's been a development in the racing world which I wanted to ask you about. Now, we knew this was coming, but just the announcement of the rule changes to the the whip rules in the UK and when this is actually going to come into full force. So the BHA have, have announced in their infinite wisdom, that uh, between January 9th and February 5th is going to be the bedding-in period. So there won't be any action taken, but you'll all be called in and given a stern talking to. But then a month before the Cheltenham Festival, essentially five weeks before Cheltenham, it is then in full effect. Um, What is your reaction to the fact that Cheltenham is going to be really the... the eyes of the world are going to be on Cheltenham Racecourse, and these new whip rules, these harsher whip regulations will be in place... For that, how do you feel about it?
1: Um, Personally, I think it's absolutely ridiculous to bring it in there because obviously there's a four-week bedding-in period where we're meant to be using the new rules. But um, I'm just going to give you an example. Uh, So say there are two jockeys riding a finish. One jockey uses the um, the new rules and the other jockey doesn't Doesn't do that and flicks his stick into the forehand and and knows it, it comes down to a nose indifference. difference. I mean, I, I don't think any jockey is going to practice the new whip rolls in a tight finish like that. So I don't know. I mean, we get a betting imperial, I understand why they've done that, but I don't I don't necessarily agree with it. And I think another issue is going to be the um, the Irish jockeys aren't going to be riding over here until Cheltenham and then they're obviously going to have to completely change their way of riding for for four days of Cheltenham, which um, I can't see that being very successful. I think there are going to be a lot of bands handed out and I can't somehow see how it's going to work, but um, I don't know. It's going to be a fair bit of water under the bridge between now and then and plenty of discussions. So um, uh yeah, I just, I just don't really understand it, and I definitely don't agree with it.
0: No, neither do I, for what it's worth, but I don't have to be st- subject to these strict rules. I was taken by what Patrick Mullins had to say in the Racing Post today, and I, I thought he summed it up pretty well, because he's obviously talking about it from the perspective of an Irish jockey, um, and he's saying that he's been trying to practice not switching his hand. Um, not to subconsciously go to the forehand so that they don't get caught by surprise. But even that that line, subconscious, like when you're in the heat of battle and you're in a race, the adrenaline is pumping. If you're going to go to what you have been leaning on your entire career and only as you go do that, then realize, oh, wait, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. I, I can see how this is going to lead to to major chaos, particularly with the four days of Cheltenham.
1: Yeah. I don't know, I think that, I don't know, I, I just hope that the BHA revisit this and have another look at it, because I, I just can't, can't somehow see it working myself.
0: Yeah, Ireland aren't following this rule at all. They're not going with this in any shape or form, and have no appetite to. Would you prefer it if this was just left alone, that this is not something that's needed, there isn't an outpouring of fellow jockeys, trainers and owners saying, we drastically need whip rule changes. I mean, there is no peer-reviewed study that proves that the whip causes any pain to racehorses. Why are we even doing this?
1: Now, absolutely, I, I couldn't agree anymore more. I'd, I'd, I'd be very much for it being left alone. I mean, uh,
0: if you actually look at
1: suspensions, right, you look at Brian Hughes, Sean Byrne, myself, Nico de Bourneville, Darrell Jacobs, Sam Justin Davis, all of those sort of top few lads over here, Jamie Moore, people like that, they very, very rarely... Um, abuse the whip i, I mean it, there wouldn't be a handful of suspensions between those jockeys in the last two years and um i don't know i just i all the majority of the fences of the offences are, are, are from um conditional riders or amateur riders and stuff like that and people that don't ride all that often so um I don't know. I, I I actually personally can't see an issue with it, and there are just a few people that occasionally let the rest of us down regarding the stick and use it too much when they shouldn't. So, um, I personally I don't think we should change the rule. Um, I know that it's probably set in stone, but um, I think we should be. I think it should be changed back. But like there are bigger bigger issues in. British horse racing that needs tackling before the uh, before the whip,
0: anyway. Well said, Harry Cobden. Well said. There are far bigger issues in racing than this. This is really about optics and nothing more. And hopefully, common sense will prevail. But uh, I think we're both kind of resigned to the fact that that probably is not going to be the case. But there is time. There is time for the BHA to walk this back, uh, and hopefully, they will. On a brighter note, uh, one more horse to, to ask you about, and we're going to see this horse over the weekend, and that's Stage Star. Uh, I was. I loved this horse last season. Obviously, the Chello Hurdle winner and terrific on his chasing debut. And you're going to stick with two mile four on Friday, assuming all goes well.
1: Yeah, um, I scored him in a week. He jumped really nicely. Uh, he seems in good form. It's obviously a competitive race, but um, I was very, very pleased with him at Warwick. So uh, I think he'll take all the beating.
0: And he looks to have. Everything required to make it up into being a, a top-class novice chaser this season.
1: Yeah, he jumps very well. Um, he travels great, and he's, he's got a good bit of poop. Um He's got obviously got course form at Newbury when he <laughs> won the challenge there last year, so um, he's got plenty of things in his favour. And um, yeah, we're obviously looking forward to him.
0: And Harry, of the horses that you're going to be riding over the weekend, um, Stage Star included, who are you looking forward to riding most? You're going to be on Oscar Elite in the old Hennessy now Coral Cup handicap. Um, what do you make of your chances?
1: Yeah, um, he's obviously got a featherweight. Uh, I think he's got ten seven or something like that. So he'll uh, he'll obviously um, have a good chance. Uh, um he ran a fantastic race at Cheltenham there at the end of last season, uh, finishing third and in one of the big handicaps there. So yeah, if he puts his best foot forward, he would definitely have a chance. And um, I think Jelino Bello would be uh, he'd be happy. he'd be going there with a, with a good chance on um, Saturday, all being well. He uh, he runs
0: a couple of forces to watch out for over the weekend for Harry Cobden. Harry, an absolute pleasure talking to you on TalkSport 2. Best of luck today and best of luck for the weekend and indeed for the rest of the season as well. Looking forward to talking to you again.
1: Lovely job. Thanks very much.